0: Hello car fanatics in Irvine, Orange County, California, the United States and around the world. It is time for the most famous words in motorsport.
1: The same old. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, start your engines.
0: This week on Speedway Sounds with Noah Stein, I interview one of the biggest rising stars in sports car racing here in the United States, Matt McMurray. He just raced in Thailand with the Asian Lama series and is excited to tell us about the upcoming Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona and the biggest sports car race in America. But you probably didn't know this important fact about him. He is a UC Irvine anteater and he studies aerospace engineering. After that, I'll present my Fans View piece on Carl Edwards' career all that and more on this week's Speedway Sounds. Today is Tuesday, January 17, 2017. Before I talk to Matt, let me tell you my story of how I first heard about today's guest. Back in 2014, I was passionately following that year's 24 hours of Le Mans. For those who don't know, Le Mans is the world's most legendary sports car race that has run for almost 85 years in France. One of the biggest headlines in the Le Mans Prototype 2 category was that Matt McMurray of Phoenix, Arizona, was attempting to become the youngest driver to ever finish this race as part of a three-driver team. Through the perseverance and determination of Matt, his teammates Chris Dyson and Tom Kimber-Smith, and all of the Greaves Motorsport crew members, the Zytec Nissan prototype finished the race. It was a major accomplishment for all involved, but Matt earned himself a place in the history books. Now, I'd like to welcome Matt McMurray to Speedway Sounds. Welcome, Matt. Hey, Noah. Thanks for having me. I'd like to start off with a question from a follower of Speedway Sounds on Twitter Tristan Cortez how does it feel to be the youngest driver to start and
1: finish Le Mans you know the older I get the more when I look at, back at it I'm like wow like that was crazy that you did that like when it happened it was um, it was more like yes I'm finally here it didn't seem like this crazy big Leap or like, it, it just seemed like what was supposed to happen based on all the work I had done before, like leading up to it. But now when I look back, it's like that's pretty really crazy. <laughs> You're only sixteen years at sixteen years old at Le Mans.
0: So that big moment is now two and a half years ago. What experience have you gained, or what have you learned as a driver since then?
1: I'm a much much better driver now than I was then. Um, part of it just comes with getting older, but I, I also just had so much seat time since then. Um, I think I'm just generally more mature as a driver. Like, every every aspect of driving I've gotten much better at. I'm better at giving technical feedback and better at, uh, at, better as, at getting up to speed more quickly, uh, which has come from just lots and lots of looking at data and videos so now rather than having to l- go drive and then after the session look at data and video I can just feel and figure out where the time is on track and I've also just gotten better at sort of like being in the zone and getting myself into the zone before I get into the the car every time which is sort of something that uh, everyone has to figure out for themselves and Johnny O'Connell was like he taught me a lot of stuff and that was like one of the big things is like he has like a set routine for every every time he gets in the car he has like he does this and then he like gets coffee and talks to this one person and like does all these specific things because he knows when he does that he's in a good mood when he gets in the car
0: so last week you traveled to thailand to compete with algarve pro racing in the asian Le Mans series what are the benefits to racing in asia during the winter which is the american off season
1: It just kind of keeps your mind fresh because you you don't have an off season when you're racing in the Asian Le Mans series because of its timing. Uh, You also just get to experience different parts of the world, Uh, like China and Thailand. I've never been there. Sadly, with like most racing, you don't really get to see a lot of where you go, but it's still cool to experience all those all those places and drive at a bunch of cool tracks
0: before we talk about the race weekend tell me about your live your Facebook live video of the elephant that wandered into your dinner
1: <laughs> so we went uh, me and my parents and uh, Stuart and Sam who were the, the couple that run the team uh, we went out to eat one night after I think it was the night after qualifying uh, it might have been the night after practice I'm not sure but we were eating at this restaurant that was sort of on the sidewalk there was like a patio area but then it just sort of spilled down the street on the sidewalk so that was like the first weird thing and then we were eating dinner and i just like look over and there's just an elephant <laughs> there's <laughs> a, there's a guy with an ele- it wasn't like a full-grown you know 20-foot elephant but it was still like you know probably weighed half a ton and you just gave him like I don't know, one or two dollars and he gave you some vegetables that you could (laughs) feed the elephant with. And then like 20 minutes later, another guy with a different elephant came doing the same thing. And so that was cool. I got to feed an elephant. Nice. So take
0: us through how the practice sessions and qualifying went for you and your team.
1: They all went pretty well. The first practice session, uh, we had a spark plug fail, um, which we didn't know immediately. Uh, I think uh, Andrea Pizzatola, one of my teammates, came in and it was like, the car is, has no power. So then they had to come into the garage and take the uh, take the body work off and figure out what was going on. So we lost a lot of time uh, doing that. But then otherwise, the car was set up pretty well the whole weekend. We were always a little bit behind the Jackie Chan DC Racing team, but uh, we, were, we were just making up time and trying to get everyone uh, in our car to be as fast as our fastest guy um, and we think that over the whole weekend we just had engine problems like even after the spark plug thing as the as qualifying in the race went on you could tell that there was less and less power coming out of the engine as we went on
0: now for the race in sports car racing you have to share your car with two teammates and switch at various points during the four-hour race I want to know, how do you and the team decide when you're climbing in and what time you're climbing out of the car?
1: So that all happens before the race. Usually after qualifying, uh, you decide that. And it's usually, in a, in a race like that, that's like four hours, that sort of time, uh, generally, as long as your qualifying driver doesn't have start, the slowest person will start the race and he'll do one stint. And a stint is... Uh, like you feel you come in, you have uh, you fill up the tank all the way, and you go until it runs out, and that's a stint. It's a fuel one fuel stint, and a, a four-hour race in that kind of car is about five stints. So the first guy is usually the slowest. Uh, will do one stint, and then the next person will get in and do two stints, and then the last person will finish, which is about another two stints. So. I was the second fastest driver that weekend, so I did the middle the middle two stints. So, how did this work out in the race? Uh, our driving plan went pretty much uh, how we expected it would. There were there was only one full course yellow, I think, during the race, and that's usually usually the only reason that your uh, your your lineup plan will change uh, if. There's a, a yellow at, like, 40 minutes just before you're going to come in. You're not going to pit after the yellow. You're going to come in and switch drivers then. Mm-hmm. So because there's only one yellow, and it was at the beginning of the race, it pretty much just went according to plan. Just, uh, Andre did one stint, I did two, and then the other Andre did the last two stints. Mm-hmm. And so how did the race go overall? It went pretty well. Uh, th- there was a problem with the engine which uh, me and uh, the third driver Andre Pizzatola uh, started to notice as our stints went on because uh, it's like an hour and a half stint so you can tell if things are changing with the car like I could tell that I was I was driving the same and the tires felt the same or basically the same but I would be shifting later and later coming out of corners so that if the t- if you feel like you're driving the same and the tires are the same and the the temperature might have gone up a little bit but not enough to make it that big of a difference so we started to figure out that the engine was just not good then mm-hmm. but otherwise it went well my stint was just me driving by myself basically just turning doing laps as fast as I could because the field was spread out so much that I never ran into anybody else uh, we finished second behind uh, Jackie Chan DC racing then our sister car the number 24 finished uh, right behind us so it was a pretty good race
0: you are listening to Speedway Sounds on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine I'm with Matt McMurray right now he is a driver in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship America's premier sports car racing series how did all that traveling back to Irvine affect you for the start of classes last week in week one
1: well, the biggest way it affected uh, my going back to classes was that I missed the first day of classes on Monday because uh, I was traveling that day. Um, otherwise, it was just the only, the only problem I had was getting caught up on a chemistry lab that there was a bunch of work you had to do before the quarter started and it was kind of difficult doing that uh, at the hotel that had not very good Wi-Fi. Um, but it, it hasn't been a problem I only missed one day and so I didn't really miss too much
0: I know what you mean I'm in the same chem lab <laughs> so going deeper into your life here at the university your teammate and boss Patrick Lindsay tweeted last month that you made the UCI Dean's List in your first quarter that's outstanding what motivates you to have both what is without a doubt a rigorous academic schedule and your racing career at the same time
1: well obviously I love racing so I'm going to keep doing that and I also am just really interested in engineering and uh, physical sciences, er, not even just physical sciences, but just learning all kinds of things. So I want I want to go to school and learn about all this cool stuff and um, I also need to keep racing because that's what I'm trying to do as a career.
0: So, Seth emailed me at speedwaysounds at org, and wants to know, how do you balance your race weekends and other commitments with your classes and life here?
1: Most of the time, it's all that it involves is uh, just getting ahead before I leave for a race. It's, it's much harder to catch up than it is to just get ahead. So, like before Daytona in two weeks, I'll just be, like the week before or even starting now, I need to Get ahead on everything, like being doing the assignments for next week and the week after, just so uh, I don't have to do it when I get back. Uh, the, the hardest thing is if you miss quizzes or tests or midterms and stuff, because then then you have to meet with the professor, or meet with an advisor, or try and plan some other time to take it. But that doesn't happen that much
0: so getting into UC Irvine without question means you spent a lot of time on your academics what sacrifices did you make in school in high school in middle school to go racing and in the same way did you make any sacrifices in racing to to succeed in school
1: there wasn't really much sacrificing racing Um, really at the most I might miss a test because Mm -hmm. I would I'd miss too much school otherwise or maybe Like it'd be it'd be preferable to especially like on international races to get there like a day early just so you can adjust to time zones and get a good night's rest. So I can't always do that just because I have to. I can't miss too many days of school. Um, mostly with missing school, the only things that uh, that I missed were just I would have to teach myself a lot of things rather than being being taught, which makes it more difficult a lot of the time, Uh, but usually it's not too stressful. There's also a bunch of social things that you miss out on, like, especially in high school, like lots of dances and football games and, like, talent shows and all kinds of other events you don't get to go to, but you're racing, so...
0: Looking ahead, you'll have to juggle all those commitments again as you fly to Daytona Beach, Florida in a few weeks to compete in America's biggest sports car race, the 24 Hours of Daytona, which is also the kickoff to the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the North American Endurance Championship for 2017. This will be your second season joining Park Place Motorsports as their endurance driver. Tell me about your teammates, Patrick Lindsay and Jorg Bergmeister
1: they're both really great guys Patrick is really really cool he's super super nice and funny um, and the, both of them are just fun to hang out with so I, I really like being with Park Place just cuz they're, they're good friends and then York Bergmeister is Jörg Bergmeister <laughs> you know, he's like the king of por- driving a Porsche um, so it, it's cool to have uh, your first driving experience in a Porsche being taught by someone like Jorg because they they just know so much about the car and about how you should drive it it's it's pretty amazing
0: and other than winning your class what specific personal goal do you want to achieve the most in daytona
1: i want to be as fast or faster than jorg that's my goal nice <laughs>
0: And our last question is another fan question from a Twitter user named Kingsnake. How do you think the racing world, team owners, media, engineers, fellow drivers, perceive you?
1: That's a really good question. I don't think I've ever heard that one before. That's actually my uncle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think most of the people that uh, like, I've actually worked with um, have a, a good... Uh, a good, I can a good perception of me. I guess, uh, just because they know that I listen well, and I, like when you tell me to do something, like only like a data, you tell me to do something, I'll I'll do it, I'll fix it. Um, I'm. They know I'll be consistent on the track, or I'll be consistently improving, but in a way that I'm not gonna, like accidentally have a big off, um, and then people who don't work with me or who I haven't worked with I would think uh, they wouldn't have had much of a perception of me uh, until like the last year or so with Park Place because that year was when I really started to uh, show how how good I was Um, like at Sebring we we were probably going to win that race, but our engine died. Like We had mm. uh, a pretty a pretty good lead at like eight hours in. Out of the 12-hour race. Yeah. yeah, out of the 12-hour race. It was like eight hours in, and all of our silver drivers had done their time, and we were in the lead. And we just had Jörg Bergmeister and Jan Halen to finish the race. So it was like, we got this, but then the engine died as mm. soon as Jan got in. Yeah. And then also at Petite. Uh, just last season, the ten, I quali- the ten hour race in yes. in Road Atlanta. Um, I qualified second there against mostly pros, uh, so that was like that was one of the big the big moments in my career so far, probably, where other people are like, oh whoa, he's actually kind of quick. So I think whatever their perception of me is now, it's it's been getting better. All right. So, that concludes the interview, uh, t- but
0: one more question. Tell us how we can follow you at Daytona and beyond on social
1: media. Uh, what I keep updated the most is my Facebook page, which is, uh, I, think, I think it's facebook.com slash mattmcmurrayracing, or if you, if you just look up Matt McMurray it'll, and Google, it'll come up. Um, there's also Twitter, is at McMurrayMatt, and Instagram is at Matt McMurray. Um, McMurray spelled without an a so
0: all right Matt thank you so much for joining me on Speedway Sounds
1: thanks Noah
0: all right you just heard my interview with Matt McMurray driver for Park Place Motorsports Porsche in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship he'll race four times this year at the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona later this month on the 28th and 29th the 12 Hours of Sebring on March 18th in Florida the six hours of Watkins Glen in New York on July 2nd, and the Petit Le Mans ten-hour race in in Atlanta, Georgia, on October 7th. Now for the fans' view segment about Carl Edwards. Last Wednesday, Carl Edwards, driver of the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, decided to step away from the sport. In his press conference, he cited one that he is personally satisfied with his career. Two he wants to concentrate on other things in his life, and three, he wanted to preserve his health, which is at risk every time he drives. Before I elaborate further, I want to let you know that I'm speaking on this solely from the perspective of a fan. I've never had the fortune of meeting Edwards or talking with him at all, so I can only speak on what I've read and seen about him over the years. I will remember him and his career in many ways. I remember him winning the first NASCAR race I ever attended the 2008 Auto Club 500 right here in Southern California for both good and bad reasons. The race took two days to complete thanks to a rain delay and with 25 miles to go Carl passed my favorite driver Jimmy Johnson. Although he upset the defending cup champion in this race it was an awesome moment for nine-year-old me to see him backflip off the door of his car. That That backflip was his signature victory celebration. It took jumping for joy to a whole new level. That was the 8th of 28 wins, or 29 if you count the $1 million prize he earned at the 2011 All-Star race. It wasn't all roses for him, though. He lost a 2008 championship to Jimmy Johnson by only around 50 points in the old points system, and lost a points tiebreaker to Tony Stewart in 2011. And just last year, he was leading the championship finale on a restart with around 10 laps to go when he made contact with fellow championship contender Joey Logano's car, which sent his car, which sent Carl's car, straight into the inside wall. Those were three tough losses that, if fortunes were reversed, would have made him one of the best drivers of the past 10 years, alongside Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, and Kyle Busch. Even so, he drove with character and a good sense of humor. After going through one of the biggest crashes in NASCAR history in the spring of 2009 at Talladega on the final lap, he got out of his car, which was on fire, and jogged the last 100 yards to the finish line. There are so many moments I could share, but I have only a few moments more. Carl Edwards proves to me that you don't need to win a cup championship to be one of NASCAR's greatest drivers. I still think that he would have been a strong competitor and a championship favorite this year, but each each of us has only a short time in our life to do all the things we want to do, and to be there for all the people we want to be there for. I hope he will enjoy the years to come with his wife and two children. He has little idea where the future will lead him, but sometimes it is simply good to try something new. Huge thanks to Matt McMurray for joining me on the show today. Thanks to Tristan, Seth, and Kingsnake for their questions. Follow the show at Speedway Sounds, all one word, on both Facebook and Twitter for show previews and your opportunity to ask my guests a question. Thanks to Claudia Shambo of Ask a Leader for helping me out in producing today's broadcast. You can check out her show Tuesdays, 9 to 10 a.m. Up next to the 5 o'clock hour, we have Beer Ambassadors with Michael Woodward. And next week on Speedway Sounds, I'll interview Caitlin Robinson, Program Manager of UC Irvine's Anteater Racing. Before I go, I have one more announcement. KUCI is having its first event of the year. We will be hosting an open mic night on Friday, January 20th at 8 p.m. at the new OCDIY venue in Lake Forest, California. We're looking for poets, singers, dancers, and any other talented performers. For more information, please visit our website at KUCI.org. Thank you so much for listening. Always wear a helmet and never ever drive distracted or under the influence.